0: welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired to gain new perspective on life or is inspiring to live out their faith in whatever field they find themselves in. Each week we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our our goal is that you'd hear this story today and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. Hey, this is Kirk Graham, and you're listening to the Making of an Exception podcast. And today, we've got Ryan Williams, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. What's up, Ryan? It's so good to be here. Thanks for being here, for real. Oh, I'm so glad. Ryan is a... Man, there's so many things that you are, uh, and I'm stoked to talk for the next hour. But you are a husband, your father of four kids. How'd you do that? I don't know. Your wife's amazing. Allie.
1: The thing about the four kids is um, I keep telling people it's like, uh, have you ever been to like a wave pool at a theme park (laughs) or a water park? Yep. Like an overcrowded wave pool. Yep. That's kind of what it feels like all the time.
0: All, all the time constantly <laughs> yes. i'm drowning in a wave pool <laughs> it's amazing
1: uh you're, so
0: your father for when we'll talk about your kids um but your pastor uh yeah. your worship leader songwriter um and all around creative um
1: yeah artist man i just um i'm so happy to be here and um i think life is all about recognizing what kind of season you're in at the time yeah. you know Yeah, where are you at right now? So this, Yeah, so the season I'm in right now is, you know, fatherhood and being a husband. And I actually heard the Lord speak to me. I believe the Lord can speak to us. And he spoke to me a couple months ago when we had our fourth child. And he said, you know, don't push and pull about having this new kid and having four kids and worrying about ministry and how that's all going to mix together. Yeah. He actually said to me, take care of your family. And in this season, the, the ministry side is going to take care of itself. Wow. And um, that was a relief to yeah. me because, you know, all of us walk through life trying to balance everything that's important to us. Yep. And so that was a really cool moment for me to, for God to say, hey, you can focus on this right now. Yeah. And, and the, these other things, I'm going to fill in the fill in the gaps.
0: Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's biblical. Take, take care of your family. And... I think that's the healthiest way to be in ministry, yeah. um, to focus. on It's not that you don't have busy seasons or right, times right. where, um, you know, it may feel like I grew up as a pastor's kid. So you feel like you're sharing your parents at times yeah. like with the church. And, and I always grew up, my parents just trained me to think that that's actually an honor. You know, it's an honor that God would choose me to mm-hmm. be a part of this family that's in ministry. And we love people. Um, and so sometimes as a kid, my dad would say, like sometimes you're you're sharing your dad because I'm, I'm, parenting wow. or shepherding uh, more people than just that are in this family. But but I think I always felt like my parents took care of us, you know, and were there for us, uh, which is amazing. And that's what you're doing as you focus on your family uh, ministry. I think it's sometimes the healthiest ministry will ever be is when we're taking care of our family really, really
1: really really well. That affirms that. That's awesome. So, you got four kids? Yeah. Nora is eight. Um, they got the best names. Too, Nora. <laughs> Nora's eight, and she's like turning out to be just like me. Yes. And so. What, yeah, what does that mean? She just all in her head, and she has a, a great imagination, and she does like fake vlogs. No. Where she's holding like like a YouTube camera. Channel. Yeah, she's yeah. holding a camera or holding my phone. And she's talking to her subscribers. No. You should make a legit (laughs) channel. She does. I would subscribe, yeah. She doesn't want that. Um, So she's always walking around the house, getting in the car, pretending like she's going somewhere, talking to YouTube. She's an artist. She's an artist. Yeah. Cash is quiet. He's five. He's quiet and reserved. He said, Dad... I want to work at church, but I don't want to work on the stage. I want to work in the offices. No. <laughs> yeah. He said offices. <laughs> he said offices. <laughs> no. So I said, yeah, buddy, that's you very important. It. Um, it is important. Then Rock is three, and Rock is probably the one who's um, giving me, like, a mini heart attack every day. He's just crazy. Wild, full life, full wild energy, child. Wild child. And then Margo. Margo's new, and she's quiet. How she old sleeps. is Margo? She's going to be two months here. Congrats. Come like, on next week she's so sweet it's surreal to have a baby again yeah and it feels more special because this is our last that's yeah that's our planned episode. this is our last and so you're soaking in every moment and wish you could live life like that all the time realizing being in the present is the best thing yeah that's hard that's hard for me sometimes
0: yeah knowing it's the last causes you to do that like yeah it's our last it, diaper changing yep last time you're gonna have a kid sit up, yeah, and you or just, roll over, you just have such a, walk,
1: a greater perspective because because um, you're realizing, you know, the season that you're in. This is our last child, last baby. So yeah. It was really fun. I remember
0: because uh, I've known you for a while. You're actually the person that uh, called me. I'm responsible, and, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. totally responsible for <laughs> yeah. everything o- good in your life. Open up the door for <laughs> me to move back to Minneapolis and uh, work at River Valley, and uh, so I've known you for the last ten years, basically. And um, I remember when Nora was born, you had one kid, and then you had the second kid on the way, and you're like, it's about to be a game changer. We've got our second kid on yes. the way. And I remember you finding out whether it was going to be a boy or a girl, and you're like, this really is going to shape up our family if we're going to be a family <laughs> yes. of girls or if it's going to even out. And, and how it's going to play out now that you've had four. Uh, it's awesome that you got two girls, two boys. Two boys feels like a oh, balanced, feels, amazing yeah, family. It feels
1: like a dream. My wife, Allie, who's just... She is the most amazing person. And I think, yeah. you know, that's the the cliche for a husband to say when they're in front of an audience <laughs> of any kind is saying sure my wife I, is. So I'm sure there's husbands
0: out there that don't <laughs> feel that way. My wife is the they most amazing person. That, though, you know, right? they always
1: just use that line. So it kind of maybe takes away from the from uh, the reality of it. But it really is true. She's incredible. And it was always her dream since she was like eight years old to have a family of four, two girls, two boys. Really? And so there's something very special about being a part of yeah the person that you love the most, her, being a part of her, her dream like yeah. that. And her dream was four kids. And so now we, you guys we need a, an ultra super minivan. and
0: Yo, minivans <laughs> are awesome these <laughs> we days. We need to find the, way, the biggest like,
1: table at the restaurant every time. and Yeah. I just can't believe it. Because wow. I grew up with a, kid, a family of four. Yeah. So our family was always quiet. So always space for everybody. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, to you and your brother. Me and right? my brother, Drew,
1: yeah. and it was just very compact and easy to get around. And now I'm in this. Yeah, you got a whole clan. Whole clan, man. Tribe of Williams. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. I need to figure out how to stay more sane, but it's really fun.
0: I feel like, yeah, just watching from a distance, you're killing as a dad so. and present with your children. And, uh, yeah, and shout out to Allie she's got perfect pitch. She does. That's that's it. Yeah. Just, she knows it's B flat. B flat. I really want to know if it's B flat flat now. I really want to know if that's B flat. I hope it's B flat. So no, yeah, she is awesome. And, uh, Kaylee and I really, we look up to you guys as husband and wife, as parents, and exactly what you said about, um, this season for you, uh, is, I guess that's my goal for every season is that, I want to take, I want to take good care of my family and watch God take care of the ministry side of things and not to be, yeah, just, I'm the kind of person that's like really driven to just, I got to do more. I got to, I have to, you know, and that's all, I think that's based in insecurity or pride or something in my life. But yeah, watching you lead your family the way that you do is, it it really brings health to how I lead my family. Um, And Kaylee looks up to Allie too, as a mom. And so we love you guys. a lot. So we're just getting started. But you grew up, let's talk about
1: where you grew up and your family, uh, your parents. Uh, you grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan in a, a city called Taylor, which is about 10 minutes south of Detroit. And a uh, great childhood, um, just full of great memories. The, the place, the, the town that we grew up in was kind of blue collar, yep. a little rougher on the edges. And like schools that I went to as, as a kid, elementary school just kind of kind of rough um but what that did for me was just I guess get me used to from a young age knowing that things don't need to be perfect and polished all the time yep and people don't need to be perfect and polished for you to have a, a relationship with them or be friends with them yep and so that helped me a lot you know I actually had really meaningful relationships in elementary school with kids who you know didn't know jesus and and then i halfway through my school life going into junior high and high school i went to a christian school yeah switched over to christian school and that was almost even worse <laughs> as far as my relationships oh, no. go as far as um you know a high school and junior high works with cliques and friend yeah. groups that was almost harder harder transition was to fit in with those kids who were
0: what grade were you in uh, i was going in.
1: i switched when i was in Seventh grade. Yeah. So that was pretty oh, tough. Yeah, seventh grade. That's is, a pretty tough year is, to switch. For sure. And, um, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life that has to do with like uh, anxiety, and I've a great, just great success with seeing different counselors and helped me along my journey. Yeah. And I've had a great childhood. I've had no crazy things happen to me. But when it all comes down to it, it's always that. It always comes back to that seventh grade year. Really that transition. You have that transition. So it, it, it stunned me in a way that here I am 34 years old. I have a great life, great call, great family, but these little things along the way in your childhood can really affect you and mess with you. And yeah, it's a
0: foundation of your life. Oh man. And, and if you got something that's like, so alive.
1: again, the shaping how I parent and shaping how I'm aware of my kids and what they're going through little things that could seem little. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it shapes my perspective on how to keep an eye on that stuff. Yeah. And is is your brother older or younger? Brother's younger. He's a few years younger than me. Yep. And he lives in Michigan. He lives in Michigan. Uh, great guy. Great family. He's two little girls. And, uh, you know, we're about three years apart. So we were just, it was brothers and friends, you know. Yeah. We were able to do everything together. Baseball in the backyard every day. It was watch baseball, play baseball video games. Play baseball outside and then go to Ken, your actual uh, little league
0: team. Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr., Hol- Jr. Home run derby. Yes. You play that? Yes. <laughs> so
1: Nintendo? RBI baseball. And I don't want to get too nerdy about everything, but it's just friends, Drew yeah. and I. And um, it's a great relationship. It's the type of relationship we can just call each other anytime. And
0: You're a huge like, actual baseball fan, Detroit yes. Tigers. Detroit Tigers. That's Favorite just, team. Yeah. I've known you to like no matter where you are, what you're doing, even if it's in the middle of church, <laughs> you are following I have the baseball. Eye game. On pitch,
1: the t- I have an eye on the pitch for pitch. I Have an eye on the game at all times. It's and amazing. Still, and the Tigers, they're not that good this year, but still, I'm very. Being there's a fan like, is about. There's like
0: 400 games a season. <laughs> How do you watch all
1: of them? There's it's something. Insane. There's something about the cadence of baseball. There's something about the. Um, The sounds and the smells and all that stuff, it's just in my blood. Did you grow up going to games? I grew up. I can remember memories of being three, four, five years old and sitting in- Detroit Tigers. Sitting in Tiger Stadium and right field and watching the Tigers play the Yankees and have all these vivid memories of watching home runs fly over my head. and That stuff gets in your blood. Yeah. Wow. Memories. Memories get in your blood. Yeah. And I'm kind of a, I think I'm a nostalgia addict- yeah, I don't know what it is about the power of nostalgia. That's Memories are certain um, times in your life can take you back to places, yeah. transport you. I don't know how I'm an addict with that stuff.
0: Yeah, not to get too deep this early in the podcast. Yeah, I know. But, I, yeah, you being a nostalgia addict and, and always looking at the past, which I think there's, there's so much positive to yeah. remembrance and remembering, but um, has that hindered you in being somebody that looks forward or having vision for your life? because of this feeling not that nostalgia is this in and of itself but I think it could dip into like
1: I want to live in the good old days yeah one of my favorite lyrics one of my favorite songs it's just simple lyric and it says the journey is the home that you're looking for wow and I have this battle in my life of um, loving nostalgia loving the past Yep, and always looking forward to a someday yeah. moment, yep. building towards something, working on something. And I always have those two things going at all times. Yeah, My mind is flying backwards and is flying forwards. My mind doesn't do too great like right now in the present. It's right in the present. And sometimes the search is all about the search. It's yeah. not about the answers that you're going to find. Wow. So I'm, that is just, that's the heart operation that I'm going through these days. 100% yeah. is... Is today? Yeah, today is so important.
0: That's probably why this season feels great for you. Yeah, because it's is about today. This is your last kid. Yep,
1: and you got to be present.
0: Yep, and this will be this will be nostalgic yeah. one day. I know. You know, when your kids are grown, you say, "Man, remember when I was changing Margot's diaper?" I know. You know, like, which is amazing. So today,
1: today is amazing.
0: Yeah talk about um, talk about growing up uh, with your family in Michigan uh, raised in the church ministry family yeah. um, or maybe yeah maybe not vocational ministry but just growing up in the church
1: um, yeah what was that like for you? my parents are um, just amazing people um, my dad is so stable and strong a quiet strength hmm. um, my mom is like a, a prayer. She's a person of prayer. Yeah. And I think about, you know, I'm 34. I think about, okay, what are the steps? What are the things I'm going to go through from here to 40? Yeah. One of the big things is I want to to become, not that I don't pray now. I pray all the time. But I want to become a person of prayer like my mom. So my parents are great. And I grew up in a very charismatic Pentecostal atmosphere. You were
0: waving flags. Yeah, we're all that stuff.
1: <laughs> the the expression and the manif- manifestation and the party, all of that was just built into what church was, and yeah. so church to me was Very never lively. Yeah, per, yeah, church to me was never quiet or somber, liturgical, and all those things are great, by the way. But my my first default of church was lively and passionate and expressive, yep. and that thread has kind of stayed with me. Yep, um, all the way through my life and. I can remember the moment that I I was seven years old and there was something in me in my mind that connected to the fact that I was lost on my own, wow. that my life was going to be messed up on my own. Mm. And I was convinced and I knelt down on a, on a, a row, a pew, a bench yeah. in the back of our church in Taylor, Taylor Church of God. I remember saying a prayer, God, I need you, Jesus. I want you in my life. That was it. Wow. And... Um, I feel th- I feel thankful that I've gotten to be a part of the family of God, you know, since I was seven. Yeah. And um feel thankful that I never walked away from it. I feel thankful that I've been able to ask questions and have doubts and work yep. out what faith looks like for it me. There's room for all that. Room for all of that. Yeah. And um and I want my kids. I think about my kids now, you know, I think about the next generation. Yeah, what want them to have right? the same experience. You know, something that I've thought about. So I was raised
0: similarly, um, in the sense that we're raised in the church, and I, I, maybe now this would be viewed as old school. We had like Sunday night church, so we yeah. had like Sunday night service oh, yeah. or Sunday morning service, and we'd have like Sunday night church, where it's like we're really going after God. Yeah, Sunday night church, yeah. you know. Um, and I remember as a kid, like growing up, it would ebb and flow between like, it was the worst part of my life. Like in that this happens to be the service that's like two hours long, you know, and like I'm a kid and we didn't have like kids church for the Sunday night oh, yeah. deal. So again, this will sound so foreign if you weren't raised in church, it sounds super weird, which I understand that. But there were other seasons as a kid where I, my endurance in the presence of God was stretched and expanded. And I remember hungering as a 10 year old like hungering for more of God. And in those moments of like extended worship and songs, like I just, it was so real for me. Like I mm-hmm. want God. And so as you are saying about that, now you think as a parent, um, the the style and, and our culture today, even church culture is less yes. two hour yes. services yep. and extended worship. Yep. You're a worship yep. pastor. Um, but I want that for my kids. Absolutely. I want that environment. And so, how do we as parents build those Absolutely. environments, even though in, in church life, we don't necessarily have a lot of those extended times. But how do we stretch the, the endurance in the presence of God for our children that they can grow up being exhausted in that, I know. but I've... also yearning and hungering for that?
1: You're exactly right. I, I had an early belief, a very early belief early on in my life in the power of God, mm. believing that God was a powerful Force, yeah, and that he was really in the mix in our lives and he really did things, yeah. And, um, you know, I think about my oldest I need to run home right now and yeah. <laughs> make sure, yeah, that she realizes that that's true, yeah, you know. And parenting and being a husband and being in ministry, there's nothing that's there's no like auto cruise control about it, you yeah. the intentionality of today. that's um, so important. Yeah. How did you, uh, how did you get involved
0: musically? Is it just something you've always been talented in growing up playing guitar eventually? And we'll talk about songwriting and all that, but um, w- was it like, was it in the church worship ministry stuff where like the given young Ryan a shot? And-
1: yeah. Again, music, music was always a big deal. It was always part of church. And um, my mom would sing on the worship team. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> okay. Just, this is amazing, a Classic. Classic story. <laughs> Your mom, yeah, you can share the story, but she would sing uh, like special, special offertory songs, yeah. or. On like, Sunday you know, nights. Yeah. Sunday nights, yeah. And the story lives on. And the quote lives on. You know, my mom, again, being a person to prayer, she was not messing around. So before she cued the. Cassette tape would track. She, would she sing the same song every uh, time? She had a She, had, she like had a three rotation? ringers. Okay. Three bangers. <laughs> three ringers. It's
0: amazing. There was a lady in our church. She would, she, it was probably, it felt like once a month. And she would sing the same song. Yeah. So it's like, it was her song. She didn't write it, but she <laughs> like, like cue the track.
1: Yes. And and rip it. All of it. You know, I even remember, like I have favorite memories of my mom, like being in the house with a like, cassette player, Practicing. just like sitting Kneeling down next to the cassette player, practicing. Wow. I mean, what a day. What a fun day. Day and age. A little different. And so, so she would get up, up there, right. step up there, and before she would start the track, she would she'd give a little context for the song, and then she'd say, you know, now pray for me as I sing. <laughs> the knowing song's that, about <laughs> prayer. Knowing pray that she's going into battle, and then she'd cue the track. and um, Let it rip. That's, you know. Why not let that be the mantra for your life? Pray for me as I sing. Yes. (laughs) As I do whatever I'm called to do. do Yeah. yeah. For you, you are a singer.
0: That needs to be your mantra. Pray for me as I sing.
1: And so I love that. Yeah, music was always part of church. And you know, my parents were my parents were listened to a lot of contemporary Christian music at the time. And so we were listening to, you know, Steven Kurtz Chapman and DC talk. Praise God. And I would go see those people play. And about fourth grade, fifth grade, I thought, man, I'm going to be a, you know what? I'm going to be a major league baseball player and I'm going to be in DC Talk. Yeah, you can do both. I'm going to do both. They had an opening. DC Talk had an opening. (laughs) And so that was kind of what sparked like music, loving music. And I sang in church. My first singing gig was singing take my take my life let it be what's that song called yeah yeah, yeah. as little salty little salty was a the singing christian, songbook yeah singing songbook yes so i was all blue we could do a whole podcast just on <laughs> the old stuff like
0: that 90s christian you know like super book the donut man i got a whole bunch that are like deep cuts so dan, deep dan louis uh there's one, yeah, one adventures in odyssey
1: Nobody's going to know this. Man, uh, people are just like getting weirded out right now. Subculture. Yeah, yeah. Subculture anyways. vibe is deep. Yeah, anyways. But I remember like... There's Somebody's t- out there is going <laughs> to appreciate that. Though. Time doing a, a children's musical in church. I was third grade, fourth grade. And it was like, we need to do auditions yeah. for these parts. And these parts have singing parts. And I just felt like, hey, I'll try it. And went in and yeah. I sang the song. And I remember the reaction of the person I was trying out for was, was reacting to my voice. And I was like... You're just singing. This is a thing. Yeah. You know? Like a gift. Yeah. A thing to do. I can do this. Wow. And and that just started it. Um,
0: One of the things that you're now known for today, and I th- I think it's just the beginning. I I really hope it's just the beginning of like, I, I think Ryan Williams will be one of the best songwriters <laughs> like in history, oh, you know, man. like, um, and for sure it's, I think I feel that way. Cause I, feel close to you and sure. I just love you and I love the songs that you mm-hmm. write. Um, but knowing that's who you are today, when did that come into your life? When did like when did you write your first song? Uh, and when did you know that songwriting could be it's it's it could be very much a craft and part of your life. It's not just like, oh yeah, I wrote a song, but yeah. it's actually who you are. You are a songwriter.
1: Yeah. I I was always very deeply moved by music. So it was like Christmas when it'd be Christmas time or my birthday. You know, again back back in the olden days, you get CDs. Yep. For pre- as presents, totally. that's the only way you could listen to the music. My first CD was Point of Grace. Yeah. Why not? Keep <laughs> why not? It still it still holds up. That's a jam. <laughs> um, so all the things that pushed me in the direction of songwriting was I can remember a moment listening to a Jars of Clay song in my room. Yep. Uh, over and over again, and being so deeply moved by the music, yeah, that I was just bawling my eyes out. Yeah, my mom came into my room, like, "What is wrong with you?" And I was just saying, "Nothing's wrong with me. I'm just as like a third grader. I'm just in this vibe." Yeah, and I'm just so deeply moved by this song. And then I heard all these names I'm throwing out. They, it's just who they were. I didn't yeah. choose who these people no, yeah. were. That affected me. Switchfoot came out with their first album, yeah. Legend of Chin. And just his singing and his lyrics and his guitar playing, I was like, I have to learn how to play guitar, wow! So I can write songs like this. And and so how I, old were you? And I was like twelve then. Yeah. So I, I borrowed someone's guitar, and I just went into my room for months and just taught figured it out. Yeah. Wow. I taught myself and and then I started writing songs. I had a cassette player that had an easy record button on and it. It's your studio. So I just put tapes in it. And I had just a bin of tapes of me writing songs. You still have those tapes? I have those tapes. No. Yeah. Just writing tons of songs. Wow. T- songs for church, songs for whoever. Do you think do you think any of those songs carry weight
0: today? Like will will a chorus or verse <laughs> come out of ever something? make its way you know, out?
1: Let's you know, let's make that another chapter of the story because I'm going home home to Michigan in like two weeks. Yeah. I should grab those tapes. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, this is like from twelve to eighteen. Wow, six years of just,
2: just yeah, writing you, bad songs and just there.
1: figuring out, just having a just having the best time. Yeah, with the piano and guitar, just writing songs.
0: What's it been like for you? Because um, you in songwriting, you can go a lot of different routes, but in the church world, there is. Um, and I, I'm down with with whatever a person's called to do. Like, I think it's amazing. But there's there's worship songs. And I've heard you talk about this before. Um, like, worship songs to God about mm-hmm. who God is to encourage other people to know yeah. God better. Yeah. and And for their expression of worship as well, like corporate worship. And that's what we sing in church. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sing a lot of your songs in our church. Mm-hmm. Um but then there's also just there's there would be personal, personal worship, like, hey, this is a song that I'm writing to God from my heart that maybe other people will hear and other people will sing. Yeah. But then there's also just like songs about love and songs about life and songs about that have little to do with who God is. Yeah, and worship yeah. God. So um, how have you I, I think most of what you write, although mm-hmm. I know you write other songs, most of what you write is corporate worship. Um, to encourage other people to know God better, to worship Him in their expression. How did you navigate? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. type of songwriter are you
1: going to be? Yeah, well, some of my some of my favorite worship songs are like Coldplay songs. Yeah, one of my favorite worship leaders is Chris Martin. Yeah, of Coldplay. There's just something about. I mean, I just think that he's anointed to do what he's doing, and I think he some of his songs like bump up against the floor of heaven when I'm listening to them. Wow. They're so deeply moving. I was doing that this morning. I was driving in, it was raining and I put on a Coldplay song always in my head. Wow. And he's talking about whatever he's talking about, but I was caught up. Wow. And so, yeah, I don't know how to explain that, but that's that's real. Yeah. That's interesting because
0: for sure there'd be, be people that would, say what you just said and be like that's blasphemy in the sense of uh how how can you call him a worship leader although i think he was actually i think like, he was at a like time, a, yeah. an actual worship leader but how how can you and and to your point you're saying when i listen to what he does it causes you to think about who god is even if he's talking about love or life or something else i th- i i do feel that way and it's not just in in songwriting but in anything i get I get emotional, and I think about God when I see somebody. That's partly why we started this podcast. Absolutely. When I see and meet somebody who is so talented, so gifted, I believe, by God to do what they're doing. Now, they might not even know Jesus. They might not even be living for the Lord. But when they do what they were created and gifted by God to do, yeah. it makes me emotional and think about think about God. And it inspires me to be a better human. And again, yeah. I don't know if you want to expound on Yeah, that
1: the mystery of God's calling on people's lives, even when they don't know it. Yeah. I will cry. I will, like, go from normal Ryan to tears, like, in a millisecond when I see, like, it's so weird. When I see, like, a baseball player hit a game-winning home run. Yes. And the... He does what he was made to do or what God has gifted him to do. And then the reaction of thousands of people around him or when LeBron James hits a, a game winning shot. Yeah. I go from normal Ryan to tears. Yes. Right away. Because yes. to me, just the way that I'm wired, I just see it as that is just heavenly. Yeah. That's what they were crafted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's just like a heaven moment. Yeah, and, it's, and I know it, it seems like random, like a home run, a, a game winning shot, a, a song about um, long lost love. But I think that's the and that's another that's another mystery within
0: God and yeah, that's it's yeah that's crazy because it, it's it's separate from maybe how they're living their life or who they're doing it right, for. right. Even if they're doing it for themselves, there's this feeling I, this is going to sound so dorky and I understand that, but like there's sometimes like online where I'll see like a clip of America's got talent or something like that. Sure. Um, and I get sucked into watching this person with this talent, whatever it may be, might be musical, might be some, something completely separate and they feel like insecure and they're nervous and you're watching this progression of like, and probably their backstory of something emotional, but like, they do what they were gifted by God to do again, separate from who they're doing it for. If they know it's from God that this gift happened, but they do that. And the, the crowd and the people that are watching erupt and they're, they're like almost shocked that people appreciate what they're doing. Mm I mean, they had a, they had enough of a thought like, Oh, maybe I should try out for this thing because people say yeah. I'm talented. I get like, I'll cry almost every time <laughs> <laughs> seeing those highlights. Like my goodness, this is insane. And I think, I, I think it's a comparison to just like creation. Like when you see this world, like different places I've been able to it to be able to be, go around yeah, the world and yeah, see some yeah. of the coolest cities and um, man-made, but also God made like places on this planet, that almost evoke the same emotion,
1: like wow, it's insane. Like yeah, it's just when you see people that are fully alive. Like just because you're walking around, you have breath in your lungs, doesn't mean you're living. Yeah. You know. And those those little moments when someone sings that song that they're made to sing, or makes that basket, or accomplishes whatever they accomplish, it just almost takes your breath away when you see somebody like yeah. living their life full. You know. Yeah, it's awesome. How did you,
0: how did you step into, I mean, when I say ministry, I think, I think that's, it could be a relative term yeah. in, in the sense that anybody that's living for Jesus can be in ministry, making a difference, being light in the dark, but you chose, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to work at a church and yeah. this is where I'm going to be planted. And you've been at, uh, the church you are now river Valley for, I don't know how many it's years, come about 12 years, yeah, yeah. 12 years. Um, and there's so many things you could do. You, you could have, and you have. You could record your own album. Yep, you could absolutely. be a musician. You could be a songwriter. You could do your own thing. But you've chosen to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. To be planted, and to be actually a pastor, which is a whole another thing. You, not not every worship leader absolutely is yes. pastoral, yeah. um, but you very much are. So how did you decide? Hey, that's that's where my life's headed.
1: Yeah, I mean River Valley. Um, I would hope and pray that I could be a lifer at River Valley because. Yeah. Um for me it was never about taking a job to um, you know, pay the bills or take care of my family or, yeah. or just to have a job. I really felt and st- and feel today sitting here that like I've been assigned to this move of God. Hmm. River Valley is a move of God. Um, all that he's done in the 20 plus years of the church yep. and all that he's doing now. And so I think that's where you want to be. You want to be assigned by God Mm. to something that He's doing, as opposed to this is a great job, a great opportunity, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And so that's the overarching idea of me at River Valley. I love that it's people and music. You know, I couldn't just do a music thing. Yeah. I could never just go and tour around the world and just lead worship without without having that people connection of knowing yeah. knowing that family that's in the sixth row or talking to that person after service or praying with that person. That's just the jackpot for me, and yeah. I'm not really too interested in, in doing something other than that, You know, being a worship pastor. I like saying, hey, I heard you singing the other day. Yeah, What's going on? And then you come to find out this person's being stirred up by God because they're being called to be a worship leader, and then put that person in the right spot. You see them grow and develop yeah my whole life from thirty four to forty right now is all about running as fast as I can away from the spotlight yeah <laughs> and letting people take that spot
0: over the, yeah over the twelve years i'm I am a product of that call in your life mm-hmm. in the sense that you opened the door for me to come to River Valley and I was a worship pastor now I'm a campus pastor yeah. in downtown Minneapolis but I you open the door for me and a lot of your how you pastor people and how you pour into people, how you multiply yourself, how you create room, that's that's probably I was just telling somebody the other day that my greatest joy in ministry, even though I'm young, somehow God's allowed me yeah, to absolutely. to own something and to build a space that creates room mm-hmm. for other people. To fit in and to feel this sense of belonging and love and express their passion and use their gifts. Seeing them and God's used me to create room for them. Yes. You created room for me. And awesome. I appreciate that about you. And a lot of how I pastor would be That's awesome. Watching how you pastored me, you know, mm-hmm. and how you created room for me. And so I'm eternally grateful That's awesome. for that. And you've you've lived that way over the last twelve years in multiplying yourself, I believe. River Valley, our church, has some of the greatest, uh, not just talented, mm. but greatest like heart yeah. um, in our worship pastors mm-hmm. that you've multiplied. Mm-hmm. You've multiplied yourself. And I love that you said your goal is to run, run, as, run fast as fast as, as possible. And what's crazy is I think as you do that, God is elevating your platform and unfortunately <laughs> put it, putting you more in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, and it's and that statement is not all about like I'm trying to – I'm trying to get out of my job or I'm trying to not do what I'm called to do. Like, I don't want to, this doesn't mean I don't want to write songs anymore. That doesn't mean I don't want to lead worship, but that will be my mentality. Yeah. And I will continue to make room for people. And, um, you know, there's a danger in anything that we do. When we have a little bit of success or momentum in it, we can start making decisions that are based all about self-preservation. Mm. How can I preserve myself you know and you start looking at relationships that way you start looking at your time that way it's all about how can i preserve this thing that i have yeah and that's just to me that's just too opposite of of what the kingdom's all about you know yeah it's like it's like i view
0: it like in a picture form like of like grasping yeah like like god's given you something and there's this natural human feeling to Hold tight to that, um, versus what you're talking about is, is living life open handed um, and giving it away. Yep. And the, it doesn't make sense. It literally does yeah, not make sense to every platform you're given to give that platform away. Like, why would you do that? But in the kingdom of God, as you do that, somehow God's so awesome that He gives you greater platform and greater influence.
1: I mean, Jesus set the He set the course. He set the pace for that. The people were looking for a savior and they thought Jesus was going to come with a helmet and a sword and a shield and he was going to be armed with this, ready to take back what they've lost. But Jesus came armed with grace and mercy and he came armed with and, and eyes literally, of compassion. As a baby, yep. like he just came as this child born in a manger. Came as a whisper and, and changed the world and... I'm, I'm 34 years old yeah, awesome. and what I'm, what, what my year should all should be about for the rest of the year. I should pay more attention to what Jesus was like. Mm. If I can just pay more attention to what he was like and what he said and how he dealt with people. And maybe I'm just, I'm making a self declaration of, I'm going to, I'm going to study deeper the gospels. I'm going to study deep deeper the words of Jesus. If I can just become more like him, be more aware of how he dealt with people. Yeah. My life will be better this year. Yeah. Our lives will be better if we just focus more on him. Yeah, if
0: we do that the rest of our lives.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's awesome. What did he do? How did he speak?
0: Right. I, this, this platform in this podcast will never be the podcast of like, um, really drilling into people to like, get to know like the all the pain and all that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I'm, it's, it will never be that. But I think because I know you well enough and know your story and your heart, um, I would love to hear from you just over, maybe it's over the last 12 years or maybe it's just in your life and yeah. experience. Um, but, and you mentioned earlier, some of the anxiety stuff and yeah. some of the stuff that you had, like God's help heal in your heart. Um, would you mind sharing like one or two moments in Absolutely. your life or in ministry that have been challenging, that you've had to overcome and ride through that essentially have made you more of who you are Absolutely. today, made you stronger.
1: Yeah, there are two moments or two times in my life. One was 2015, mm-hmm. which my wife and I will always say that was the hardest year that we've gone through. And, you know, it was just a pile on of, of certain things and, and timing of things. We decided to build a house, which is awesome. But even when you do something great it can bring on stress yeah so we decided to build a house and we we're having our third child right when we were building the house yep having another i have another baby is awesome rock is awesome but it's just stress there yep and then we built a house started building the house in february rock was born in, in march and then in may my grandfather who was very close to he was a, a real big voice and mentor in my life he yeah. passed away yeah. and that was the first time that i had dealt with um Death close yep. to me, having someone who I was really close with die, yeah, pass away, and uh, and so I, I I assumed the position of leader and pastor, yep, and a pillar. Or I tried to for the rest of my family in that time, and then I realized that I, I just I wasn't I wasn't grieving. I wasn't yeah taking care of that. Emotion and that grief and that pain of him being gone. And so I, I really actually had my first, he died in May. And then in June, I had my first ever um, like panic attack mm. where all of a sudden I couldn't, the long story short, I couldn't breathe. Mm. I felt like I can't get enough air. I had never experienced that in my entire life. Never had anxiety or panic like that ever. Yeah. And then, you know, just come to find out that your body reacts to stress and pain that you're carrying. And if you're not working that out, obviously through prayer or through counseling or just talking to a friend about it, it'll it'll start to get you. Yeah. Where were you at in that moment? I was at, well, I was at my favorite place in the world. I was at Disney World, actually, which is the the zinger. It's the last place you would think... You'd be panicking. That's why even, it was even such a stronger experience. It doesn't um, make sense. Yeah. It doesn't, didn't make sense. You're like at a Disney park. Yes. Which is panicking. like my nerd escape. Yes. You know, where I, where I can go and just, um, yeah, totally shut down, have a great time. Nostalgia again. Yeah, you gr-
0: so you grew up going to Disney Grew all up going time. to
1: Disney. My, we got to go for free growing up because my mom's best friend worked for Disney. No. So we were poor. We didn't have a ton of money that's how we were able to go. go. Or, yeah. Wow.
0: Um, so you've learned everything about Disney. This is a side note oh, yeah. in the middle of your extremely it is the experience. Nerdiest, yeah.
1: That's the nerdiest yeah. thing about me is people come to find out that I love like Disney World. And they think, oh, does that mean like you sit around every day and watch Aladdin or Lion King? Which you would. I would. But no, it's not so much about like the Disney movies or the characters or anything. It's like Disney parks being in these places. Yeah. yeah. And the music and the sounds and the experiences i just have. like when
0: you think about being a nostalgia addict that's what you're it's thinking disney it's World. Disney. yeah My like the family. smells the yeah, sounds, everything. everything and um and there's like a deep there, there there's like deep community about like disney nerds like oh, you, yeah you, I, I remember you telling me like you've learned how to like there's like forums and like oh yeah like community where you can learn how to like Stay at certain spots and, and oh, like, yeah. you know, I all am, the secrets, yeah, all the behind I am not the scenes. Cool at all. Like,
1: <laughs> I am not cool at all. I think I it's know so cool all about it. I know we probably go, we go once a year for sure. Yeah. We're going to the end of July. Yep. Going up. And, uh, yeah, the side note of Disney, I'm just trying to explain it. It's just these, these designed atmospheres, these designed places that were intentionally designed a certain way. They just, I don't know. They just take me over. And I have great friends, like musician friends or songwriters who hate it. Oh, yeah. Because it it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like you go to one area of the Magic Kingdom and it's like it's like frontier land. So it's supposed to be like the old west. And there's like trees and forests and but it's all intentionally designed. Yeah, there's rock. That's not really real rock. And yeah. people are just like, it's just all fake. Why don't you just go to yeah. Uh, Montana. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I love, I love Montana. I love yeah. the real Montana. You
0: can't eat a corn dog.
1: Right. In Glacier, but I National love Park. these specifically designed, creative, yeah. Creatively designed places. Yeah. That tra- actually transport you, transport you to a place. Wow. And so that's kind of my, I geek. love it. I don't think it's geeky. I think. So it's that's awesome. the intersection. That was a terrible intersection of being at my favorite place and having a terrible thing happen to me. Like you can't breathe. Couldn't you couldn't breathe. And I was like, yeah. what is happening? I was on a ride, the ride of to go. And I was like, "What ride?" It's called Star Tours. Okay. It's how many Star times Wars have ride. you ridden I've ridden a million times, yeah. and it's like awesome. And all of a sudden, I sit down, and the walls are closing in on me. I can't, I can't breathe. Wow. I have to run out of the building, and I'm shocked because that's never happened before in my entire life. Wow. And then I tried to go on another ride just to prove to myself that that was just a weird, yeah, a thing. weird thing, yeah. And I, I couldn't do it, and uh, I. I could barely fly home on the flight from that trip because I was wrecked. I was wrecked. I thought, well, this is my life now. I'm going to have panic attacks everywhere. Wow. I started to go see a counselor and uh, just opened up my world about, about the the wrong messages that I believe about myself. Mm. And some people are really, by default, they're they're great at positive self-talk. Yep. Something bad happens to them. In internally they say, you know what? That's all right. They're pretty buoyant. Yeah. Yeah. they have a buoyant spirit. That's all right. That didn't work out. But you know what? This is why the next time it's gonna work out. Yeah. I've I found a couple of years ago that I have no I had no positive self-talk inside <laughs> of me. It was yeah. all negative. Really? Wow. And no one no one would look at me from the outside and say Nobody that. Nobody would a, ever know that. No, they would never know that I'm a negative they wouldn't think I'm a negative person or a pessimistic person. Yeah. But internally my dialogue with myself is uh, you're an idiot. You're not good enough. That was terrible. But this you, is your life now.
0: Do you know where that came from? Because it's not your family.
1: No, it was never my family. It was never a certain person. It was never pressure from outside. Um, there was just the, my number one thing in my life that I deal with that triggers anxiety and that I'm working through, that I continue to work through, is you know, uh, you don't have to be number one in everyone's life. Yeah, You don't have to be seen as number one at everything you do you don't have to be no, number one in everyone's list of people yeah and there's this been this internal pressure ever since probably junior high yeah of everyone's got to love you everyone's got to like you and you've got to do whatever you got to do to make sure that everyone likes you wow and that's just a lie yeah and again thinking about generations thinking about legacy thinking about your children my children i pray over them every night God, that they they live a life full of joy, no fear, no worry, that they know who they are in you. Yeah. And I think that's probably a gift that I can give to them. Yep. Is that the most important thing. Yeah, You don't have to carry that. You do what you're called to do and it doesn't matter what what people think of you. It doesn't matter. You know, the journey is the home you're looking for. The process that you're in, the search that you're in is probably more important than where you're headed or where you end up. Yep. I hope that that's a gift I can give to all four of my kids so they can live a life. Everyone's going to have worry. Everyone's going to have stress, but I I think they can, I think they have the opportunity to live a life unscathed by panic and anxiety because of what i have gone
0: through. It's amazing. You said, um, you said there's two pretty significant moments. Uh, One was Disney panic. Can't get on the plane. Um, Do you remember what the other one was? If you, wouldn't mind sharing.
1: Yeah, the other one was um again having to do with stress and anxiety, it was it was March, February of 2017. Yep. And um it was the very start, it was like almost day one of our team, River Valley Worship, making uh the album meaning lifetimes. Yep. And that whole process of making that album from start to finish was a battle and there were forces that didn't want us to make that album, that didn't want us to write those songs. Everybody on the team was sick, Mm. kids were sick, people were dealing with physical issues that they never dealt with all the way through the process making that album. So we kind of knew that we were on the right path. And from day (laughs) one, right when we started making that album, um, on the weekends when i lead worship, all of a sudden I could not sing. Mm. I could not open my mouth and sing without feeling like I was going to throw up. Really? Such a random. Like if, if physically, physically sick. Yeah. Physically sick. Wow. And um, I had no idea where it was coming from. I didn't know if it was purely physical. If, you know, there's something going on with my stomach, with what I was eating, yeah. my lifestyle. I got an uh, endoscopy done where they put you out. Is. Yep. for like 10 minutes and they put a camera down your throat. no they just explore your stomach. They do that. everything comes back fine physically. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know there's nothing wrong with my stomach. I don't have a tumor I don't have this that and uh, it was just a battle of stress and anxiety. If you when you carry stress in your life you either carry it in your back mm. um, or you carry it in your gut. Or well, there's one other place that you carry it, but you physically carry stress. Yeah. And I've had, I had a back issue where I blew yep. out my back. Yeah. And Kurt Graham came and saved the day and led, <laughs> led my yes. mission trip for me on a day's yeah. notice like a spy. Yeah. yeah. Just, it was
0: insane. <laughs> That's yeah, a quickly, side note. yeah, quickly. You were going to lead. I was going to uh, lead Global Team Sweden.
1: Yeah. And I had months of planning, months of meeting with a missionary. Super pumped. Loved the team. It's a musical trip. Musical trip. Loved the people I was going to go with. I would have been super, I would have been way closer with those people. Than yes. I am now, because yeah. we would have been on this trip together. Yep. The day before we we're supposed to leave, my back's totally blown out, herniated disc. I can't stand up. I can't walk. I can't sit. Yeah. And I called the morning of. Yeah. I called Justin, our, our global project pastor, and said, Justin, I really have nothing else to say other than I you can't, can't move, move. Yeah. And I can't do this trip. Yep. At
0: 1030 a.m., I got a phone call <laughs> saying, hey, uh, Ryan can't move. Your wife is Uh, a hero in this story, too. 100% she's a hero. Yeah, she, yeah, she, Uh, 100%, because we had Adley, who was 10 months old at the time, our first child, and the the first six to nine months of Adley's life was the most difficult of our lives as parents, uh, our marriage, all that. I mean, super difficult. God is faithful through it all and strengthened us through that. But 10 months... Uh, I get a phone call at, at 10 a.m. Uh, saying, hey, Ryan's out. He can't lead this team. And there's a team of people heading to the airport they're right there, now. They're there, man. They're gone. Uh, plane leaves at 1 o'clock. Can you go? So I drive home and talk with my wife <laughs> and say, I, I trust our leadership, uh, that they wouldn't ask us to do this if, you know, they know our lives. Yeah, they and know what they thought gonna, about yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. We, yeah. So we're submitted to them, and it was the hardest thing, uh, you know, because I can't go, Kaylee, I'm, I'm making this decision. I'm going. You know, that's unfair, but I also can't go. It's your call. You make the decision because that's unfair. And so we just had to pray together yeah, pray. and in tears uh <laughs> say well, I'm going to lead this trip and I'll be back in 10 days and I love you. It was an amazing ya. trip and it was an amazing you trip. You're supposed to go on it. Yeah. It was an amazing trip and great group of people. Praise God, Sweden was awesome uh and to be honest, what my wife went through while I was gone, who she is now. Uh, she is an insane mom and leader and woman of God that I think she had to go through that to be who she's called to be now as a uh, pastor's wife and the people that look up to her and yeah, just who she is. So we had to go through that and come on, that's God. Thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Native disc.
0: I would never have chosen that. I would never have wanted to deal with that. Uh, But in such a positive experience, like an opportunity like that, it could have been way more negative. It could have been like, Hey, I'm, I mean, it could like the things that we go through to strengthen us. It could have been way worse than that. And it was a great opportunity and a great moment. And Kaylee probably wouldn't, (laughs) she wouldn't frame it up like that. It was super difficult, but (laughs) she would say if she was uh, on a mic right now, she would say that. Uh, it really strengthened our marriage and strengthened us as parents and as a couple. So
1: um, pretty wild. So yeah, that's some of the anxiety stuff. And I think the whole the worship leading and... I mean, not to get too graphic, yeah. but I was searching for answers yeah. about that because there are points... And it was just like... had this weird rhythm to it. I'd get to about song two. I couldn't... Couldn't do it. I couldn't go on. And I remember having... I don't think I've told many people this. Well, I'm just going to tell whoever's going to listen to this, I guess. Yes. I pretty much had a panic attack with, like, 30 seconds left at our church to signal everybody that, hey, this church is starting, the service is starting. We have, like, start. a countdown. It's a five-minute countdown. And yep. People who go to our church are obviously used to that, and it's their signal, hey, get in your spot, find a seat, about to start church. And there's about 40 seconds left in the countdown, and I was back on my on one side of the stage back behind by myself, yeah feeling so sick and saying what can I do yeah there's nowhere to go I physically feel like I cannot sing the service has to happen I mean there was there's 900 people really ready cool. to start church and I was just on my knees crying out to God God I don't know what to do yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And you, what do you do? I've heard it said that sometimes in life where you are most anointed is where you're most scared. Wow. <laughs> and that was my, that was the picture for those months and it's not like that anymore, but it was almost yeah. like just something that God wanted me to walk through. And so I got up from my knees and I don't even know how it happened. How you did it. And, um, that can that happened a few times yeah wasn't just a one-time thing wow and um i think god did a multitude of things inside me i talked about like soul heart operation he was doing stuff inside me yep. during that time to shape my perspective on worship leading more importantly to shape my perspective on just who i am in christ yeah and
0: yeah i've heard um i forget who said it and i if I remembered, I would for sure quote them. But back back in the day, they would anoint people with oil, which was in in that day, like biblical days, was olive oil. And to to actually make an anointing is is uh, uh, the power of God. So when you're anointed in an area, it's you have the power of God working through your yeah. life, which is amazing. But to produce the actual oil, you would have to crush. Yeah olives. And I, that, that picture in today's world, that, that when you are anointed, which you are as a pastor, as a songwriter, as a worship leader, as a father, as a, as a husband, um, it, it takes crushing in our lives. Um, and so for, you know, for, for Kaylee and I, we, some people know this story is that on our, on our second child, we were going to have a baby and we miscarried and what a crushing crush moment. Now we are anointed to speak into people's lives that are going through the same thing. And for you, you are insanely uh, like God is elevating your platform as a songwriter, as a worship pastor. um, And you, and it's because you've gone through crushing like this.
1: I believe it. I believe it. I I um Yeah, it kind of makes you speechless that God would would care so much about us to have us walk through these types of processes. Yeah. You know, um and that he's the great orchestrator of our lives and he can yeah. take you through the crushing. Yeah. Um and take you out through the other side because he has something great for you.
0: And you said it earlier, Jesus is the best example in the sense that it's not just his care for us, but also care for the other people that will be impacted by the things that we're anointed in. There's, there's people on the other side of million lifetimes, worship album. There's people on the other side of the next songs you're going to write, the next services that you lead, people giving their lives to the Lord, experiencing the presence of God. And there was people on the other side of, uh, the cross that Jesus died on, you know, and. God led him, his one and only son, to that moment because there's people on the other side of that, you know. And what an honor that we would be people that have to walk through crushing because there's people on the other side.
1: Yeah, the awareness that people need to hear. They need to hear the truth. They need to hear the gospel. And if you're called to do whatever you're called to do, usually that means you're carrying that message in some way if you're speaking or pastoring or singing or writing And um, it's easy, it's easy for me sometimes in my walk, in my call, to lean towards more of that professional Christian attitude. Yep. So if I have an opportunity, for example, we're taking a team and we're going to be on TV on Tuesday. Yep. Live TV. Yep. If I'm a professional Christian, if I'm leaning into that warped perspective, what am I thinking about that day? I'm thinking, man, we got to... We got to kill this show. We got to yep. sound great. I hope I don't look like a, a idiot. <laughs> I hope I sound good. Yeah. I hope the team looks good. I hope we look the right part. Yep. I hope we come off the right way. Yep. That's very professional, Christian, as opposed to the perspective of these songs that we're singing. These songs are weapons. Yeah. And we're going to be on TV for a reason because there's going to be thousands of people. They're gonna hear hope has a name. Yeah. And God's gonna use that to rearrange and wake yeah. up and and change and transform. Yeah. So the professional Christian says, I'm very focused on me and what I'm doing in this opportunity. Yeah. And the just the follower of Christ says, you know, it doesn't matter what I look like or how I come off. I have a, I have the truth. Yeah. And I'm more preoccupied with. The excitement, the joy of what the truth is going to do when it gets out. Yeah. That's way different perspectives.
0: Totally. I love that. I love that.
1: If you're a pastor, worship leader, in front of people, you're on the stage. If you do ministry on the stage in any fashion, we should be thinking we have the truth. It's the remedy. It's secure. It's the weapon. Be more preoccupied and excited about what it's going to do when it goes out in people's lives as opposed to what we look like how we're what we dressing, like, yeah, yeah. what we sound like.
0: Our delivery, yeah.
1: I don't want to get too professional. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. It's awesome.
0: What are the, um, and we'll wrap up here in a second. What, what What are the things like, so specifically with River Valley Worship uh, and with uh, the avenue of the church that we are a part of, River Valley, what are the things that you're dreaming for hoping for, and it might not even be necessarily yeah. just external influence, but um, the people that you're leading, what are the things you're thinking about future?
1: Well, River Valley and Pastor Rob and Pastor be- Becca, who lead us and love us so well, they've created an atmosphere where big vision is welcomed yep. and you can just breathe it in, in the atmosphere. Big vision's all over the place. yeah, And so that's not the hard part. Uh, dreaming year after year about where River Valley Worship is headed. Yeah, what's next? We've got a new momentum with a lot of new things that we've done, and and being on a label, and doing new things that we've never done, and being on the radio all yeah. over the world. So um, God is God is pushing what He's pushing, and we're just happy to be along for the ride. As far as specifically the way that I think, you know, I've always heard the advice with ministry is you know, think small or think yep. little yep. and big things will happen. Wow. You know, and even as a songwriter, a side note, you never can sit down as a songwriter and say, I want to write a huge song about the Trinity. Yep. If you sit down with the aim of writing this song, that's going to be this global anthem that's going to change people's lives all over the world. You can't, it's just not it's possible. Not yeah, yeah. You've got to think small small. About maybe a little piece of truth that you've read about the Trinity, and build it out from there. That's a little creative process thing. Oh, I, yeah. The, you just can't you can't think about you can't think about the the whole house being built. Yeah, you got to think about the plywood and digging the in the ground for the basement, and I think about that stuff first.
0: I was just um, I was just with a pastor um, in Japan. Pastor Rod Plummer, he started this yeah. awesome church mm-hmm. called LifeHouse. And he um, he just said essentially the same thing. He said, he was encouraging us that were there. He said, think, think deeply.
1: Deeply, Yes, yeah. same thing, uh, Yes. Yeah.
0: But to think deep is the opposite of what you think it is. It means to think simply. And the deeper you think, the simpler you'll think. He said, imagine like squeezing uh, something that, just has a little bit of moisture in it and you're squeezing and you're thinking I got to get this moisture out. So I'm squeezing and twisting and squeezing. It's deep. I'm, I'm, but what comes out is maybe just one drop of something. And so that's the picture of, yeah, don't just focus on this. Don't, don't just think massive. Think how, how, how simple can I get? And those are the things that Potentially, uh, not just with songs, but anything that we do, think as simple as possible and watch what God can do. I mean, again, it's the gospel. Like, how simple was this baby in a manger? And he changed the world, you know, he changed the world.
2: Anyways.
1: That's really great. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to live my life, you know. I'm just trying to live my life like, uh, I'm going go out on a limb here, like the famous composer Bach. Yep. I heard this the other day. He he would sit down and write songs, compositions. And every time he'd sit down, and he'd have a blank sheet of paper. He would on the top of it, he would write JJ, which in a translation of his language meant Jesus Help Me. Wow. Before he started writing. Wow. And so then he would write the composition, write the song. And at the end of it, he would write um SDG, which is Soli Dea Gloria. So Sole De Dios or something like that. Yeah. Which is like for the for the glory of God alone. Wow. So he would write Jesus help me. Jesus help me before I dove in. At the end of it. And then at the end of it, for the glory of God alone. And uh that's just a songwriting principle, but for me it's just like a way I want to live my life every day. Yeah. Wake up every day. At the top of my day, write, Jesus help me. L- try to build the kingdom. Um Love people, have favor with men. I pray that every day. Yep. Have favor with people so I could build the kingdom. And at the end of the day, the whole song that I wrote with my life that day is for the glory of God alone. Wow. I think that would be amazing.
0: It's awesome. Two quick questions. One, what's your favorite book of all
3: time?
1: Um, this is this is a book, but it's it's kind of like a it's just a collection of thoughts, really, but it's Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. Yep. Where he just it's this collection of his devotionals that he wrote out for the morning and the evening. Really? And yeah, it just goes on forever. He it, like he wrote out thoughts in yeah, the morning, yeah. thoughts in the evening. It is incredible every day. It's incredible. Wow. It's just, my favorite book. Uh, war of Art is another favorite favorite of mine, Stephen Pressfield. Yep. Those are my two favorites, I think.
2: Morning
0: and evening, War of Art.
1: It's awesome. And then uh last thing
0: is um if you were to give advice to anybody following in your footsteps, um again, whether it's in ministry or as a songwriter or young artist or young parent, um, what advice would you give them? You've dropped a whole bunch, <laughs> like even just to how, what you just said about Jesus help me and glory to God alone. Um, but well, yeah, what advice would you give somebody following your footsteps? Yeah,
1: I would, I, would live like, I would live like Bach writes, you know? But for me, I would just say, I would just say, because this is what I'm trying to do, With the next era of my life, just focus on being a person of prayer. Yeah. You know, person of the word of God. And that doesn't mean that you um, ignore the craft or the talent that you have in your hand, photography, music, speaking, pastoring, designing. It doesn't mean that you ignore any of that or you do less of that. Yeah. But if you just get the priorities right in your soul, if you get the soul priorities right, be a person of prayer, be a person of the word first. And your craft will be just that much better. You know? Yeah. I think you have a better time, a lot more fun doing it. Wow. I think that's it. Yeah, I agree.
0: Thanks so much for being on the podcast. What and a joy yeah, for me. Before we close, I, I just want to say, um, you know, Kaylee and I, we love you and Allie. Love and you. I said it at the top, um, and I'll say it at the end, but we look up to you guys and so many Avenues of life, how you lead your life, for sure spiritually, um, just who you are as a child of God. Um, that's that's who I want to be yeah, in a lot of ways. Lot. Um, and yeah, you are a for me a personal hero. No, that means a lot. Um, and when I I'm only I'm 29, so I haven't lived a ton of life, but enough to have plenty of voices in my life. You are you are for sure one of the top voices and influencers in my entire life Mm. and so when I think about if if somebody was ever to ask me a question of like who's influenced your life most and I got to list a few names you you would be one of those names I'm I'm eternally grateful Mm. for everything that you've done Um, I remember being 21 years old and sitting down with you and Allie um, and Kaylee who uh, we weren't even engaged at the time and sitting down and talking about um, your heart for ministry your heart how you lead your family um, all those things and I said I'm moving from Texas yeah. back to Minneapolis because I want to work for you it's just a great um, day and so yeah, thanks for being on the podcast when when we put this idea together and Tissel, uh legendary producer and one of our great friends very um, handsome yeah very handsome uh, eligible bachelor <laughs> uh, we love Tissell, but when Tissell and I had this idea you were one of the first names that we wrote down like um because of the influence that you have in our lives. So we love you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Glory to God alone. Glory to God alone. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere else podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram at exceptionpodcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Tuesday. If you know someone who's an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Shout out to our producer, Tissel, and my name's Kirk Graham. Until next time, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace.